0: The name Huy Fong Foods might not mean much to you, but you must certainly know its iconic condiment, Sriracha. This hot sauce has developed a cult status, and it's fueled an explosion of artisanal hot sauces around the country. Spicy food obsession is nothing new. It was embraced all over Europe during the time of the spice trade. For this week's Please Explain segment, we have decided to look at the ingredients behind these condiments, ingredients that are just as versatile fresh as in the sauces. Talking about peppers, and joining me now is Maricel Persia, a historian, cultural anthropologist, a James Beard Award-winning chef, the owner of two restaurants in Hoboken, Cuchara, Mama, and Zafra, and her latest book is "Peppers of the Americas." It's published by Ten Speed Press, and I'm very pleased to welcome her to our show. Hello.
1: Good morning.
0: Well, actually, it's the afternoon in New York. You're we're speaking to you. The
1: afternoon. I'm in Miami, so I don't know why I said that, but good afternoon.
0: Well, since this is a hot topic, we also invite our listeners to join in the discussion. Uh, You're invited to call us at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at WNYC.org or on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. Your subtitle, well, your book is Peppers of the Americas. Aren't all peppers uh, indigenous to the Americas, even though they're now grown all over the world?
1: Absolutely. The capsicums are Native American uh, plants, and they conquer the world, and they forever change flavor. That's the subtitle of the book.
0: Were peppers a big part of your diet when you were growing up?
1: Well, um, not hot peppers, but um, I was born in Cuba, and uh, the quintessential cooking sauce is a sofrito, and it always calls For peppers, sweet peppers of different kinds, you know, whether it's the bell pepper or the cubanel or the very aromatic and floral uh, ají cachucha, which is a casi chinense. But my father uh, loved uh, hot peppers, and the one that we use in Cuba is called ají guaguao, is a tiny Capsicum uh, frutescens, which is a relative of Tabasco and Malagueta. Uh and it grows wild. Um, you know, I've seen it, you know, on the side of roads, you know, in in the in the forest. Uh, it's a very tiny uh, pepper that ripens to you know bright orange or, uh, or red, and it has a very clean uh, heat, and it's really you know fantastic, and I I love to um, to pickle it. Um, I make uh, spicy vinegars uh, that I use as table sauces.
0: I've always associated peppers with Mesoamerica, but you opened your book with a trip to Peru. Why?
1: Absolutely, because peppers were um, were born in the Amazon, um, and we know now that it's probably the Bolivian, the Bolivian Amazon. And from there, they moved across South America to Mesoamerica and the Caribbean.
0: Uh, Maricel, we have a very bad connection. We're going to take a little break, and we are going to try to get a better connection going. Is that okay?
1: That sounds good.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm speaking with Maricel Precia, who is a historian, a cultural anthropologist, James Beard Award-winning chef. Her book, Peppers of the Americas, is published by Ten Speed Press. Stay with us for more. And we are back with Maricel E. Precia uh, whose uh, book is called Peppers of the Americas it's published by 10 Speed Press and we are inviting your calls at 212-433-9692 you can write to us on our show page at WMIC.org or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate and uh, Maricel Uh, you were explaining that peppers came from the Amazon when we had to go to that break because uh, it was unclear. But but can I ask you a uh, question? How did they wind up uh, associated with Mexico and Central America? The the, the Amazon is pretty far away.
1: Yes, in in prehistoric times uh, peppers traveled throughout the Americas. Uh, First, uh, birds were the vectors of dispersal, but then um, the silent gardeners of history, you know, which work with very tiny, tiny ancestral uh, peppers and develop the five domesticated uh, species that we know today. What is And in Mexico, precisely, you know, the, uh, the capsicum anion, which started as a minute uh evolved into, you know, it's an amazing uh, range of. Uh, phenotypes.
0: Now, what is capsicum?
1: Capsicum is the genus. It's a solanacea, and it has five domesticated types and a number of wild species. The better known for us is capsicum onion. We're talking about jalapenos, bell peppers, serranos, chilhuacles. You know, the, the peppers that you most likely are more, more likely um, able to find in a market are capsicum onion. But then, uh, the pepper that the species that has taken um, the U.S. Uh, chile heads by storm is chinense. You know, the habanero is the best known um, uh, cultivar, but there are a number of other very hot and sometimes very sweet uh, Capsiconchinenses, which are um, really fantastic because they have, besides the heat um or it's, it's a question of taste uh beautiful floral um components uh very complex
0: but do the the sweet peppers that uh, we use in regular cooking green peppers uh, red peppers uh some italian peppers do they contain any capsicum
1: capsaicin um no um they they don't have capsaicin but you know we the capsicum onion um, Family, we find um, that there are very hot uh, peppers. For example, um, some of the uh, some Mexican um, chiles, like puya, for example, is very, it's hot. Uh, so it's serrano, as opposed to you know to a bell pepper, but it's the same family. Now, so this family has an enormous range uh, in terms of capsaicin, from zero to you know much higher numbers.
0: Isn't capsaicin used in certain types of pain relief? Absolutely. Even though uh, it causes pain?
1: pain? Well, it, it causes, yeah, it causes pain. Um, but without the, you know, the it, you know, you feel like you're being burned, but you're not being burned. But um, scientists are working with capsaicin for a number of medical uses. And uh, the research is ongoing. So this is going to be as interesting as the work done on polyphenols uh, for cacao, for example. Uh, so you will see, you know, a, a number of applications uh, as we move on. But the thing is that um, in the United States, there's a class of chili heads, um who are actually growing peppers in small farms, actually in their backyards. And um, they are very interested in the, the high-octane, uh, high-capsaicin peppers. And so they are growing mostly chinenses or they are, um, you know, they're doing... Um, you know, experiments that have hybrids that are extremely hot, um, you know, breaking uh, the Guinness, you know, uh, record, um, you know, statistics. And um, so it's it's very exciting to watch. But at the same time, it worries me because it means that we're paying too much attention to capsaicin. You know, peppers are amazingly delicious. Um, They're versatile. They are texture. They add uh, perfume, they add, um, you know, nuances of uh, flavor that cannot be reduced to a capsaicin number.
0: Now, you mentioned chili heads. Uh, do they have a higher pain tolerance?
1: Well, it seems so. <laughs> if you watch YouTube, you see them eating the hottest peppers in the world, and uh, of course you see them, you know, becoming pale and sweating, mm-hmm. but they they eat the peppers whole,
0: I've always wondered why it makes of you sweat.
1: A of the pepper.
0: I'm sorry, I interrupted you. But you said that they eat them whole, then they're sweating. And uh, when you eat one of the a really hot pepper, you suddenly beads of sweat form usually around the hairline. And I've always wondered why. Why there?
1: Well, it, yeah, some people sweat. Uh, I get the hiccups, for <laughs> example. So. It's, uh, you know, some people gasp uh, for air, but I've seen, you know, individuals eating, you know, not one, but several uh, hot peppers because they, they, you know, they have reviews of hot peppers uh, online. Uh, and it's a sport.
0: Yeah, Kind of a macho sport. It worries
1: sport. me for their sanity and their health.
0: We uh, have invited our listeners to join the conversation. Our number heres three three nine six nine two, And uh And Soil... You're on the air. Soil from New Brunswick, New Jersey. Yes, yes. Um, So my question for the guest is, um, so I'm someone who loves um, um, uh, exploding new spicy peppers that
1: come on the market. Um, I used to be a fan of the uh, ghost peppers. Now the new thing is Carolina Reapers. But the question I had is, like, I'm trying to introduce... Um, hot peppers in my daily cooking. Now those peppers are too spicy to eat on a regular basis. But in um, in your guest's opinion, what's the best pepper that's like uh, spicy but also adds flavor to day and something that can be used in day to day cooking? Well, um, I am um, a great fan of Capsicum chinenses because of their flavor. Not so much because some of the hottest peppers are chinenses. Um, so you might you know might try to get, uh, for example, suave. Habanero from the Chile Pepper Institute in Las Cruces. Get the seed. Uh, it's a just delicious. It's a delicious habanero that has very little heat, um, and but you, you get the perfume, you get all this complexity uh, for cooking. So you know that's a good way uh, to start. Um, I you know uh, I would say you know if you want to have the super hot, just plant a couple um, rather than the Carolina Reaper. Uh, I would go for any Trinidad uh, hot pepper. For example, the seven pot um, from Trinidad is very hot, but it's also delicious. And you can use it judiciously in, in cooking. Uh, if you want a, a sweet chinense, go for the Puerto Rican dulce. You dulce. You can find it easily uh, if you look online. Uh, and also the ají from Cuba, also very perfumed, but with very little heat or no heat at all
0: well let 's talk about a bit more about heat because uh i've uh, in Mexico people have told me that they prefer to use the peppers just to create a little warm glow in the mouth, and that when you eat when you find Mexican food that 's really really hot, it usually means that it 's covering up uh poor ingredients on the other hand, when you go further south uh, you find food that tends to be hotter, and people there say that uh, they like it because it it keeps it gets the digestive juices flowing. Well,
1: in my experience, you know, um, having studied Latin American food um, and actually growing peppers for quite a long time now, you
0: have a um, uh, you I say you have a, a backyard pepper laboratory.
1: Yes, um, all the peppers in. Uh, in my book um, were born and <laughs> developed in my garden, so normally uh, every year I grow about three hundred types, uh, which is a lot but i I couldn't do it any other way. I am absolutely in love with uh, with peppers so uh, but I do understand one thing about you know people in 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 the countries where peppers are important um, they look for nuance flavor they look for peppers um, in cooking that will you know, will bring texture, uh, flavor, aroma to food. It's not just about capsaicin. So when you are uh, not used to peppers and you start growing them, you might be captivated by the capsaicin. So, I mean, that's the divide that I see. You know, if you come from a a, a pepper-loving country, your taste is going to be more nuanced, and you're going to appreciate peppers for much more than capsaicin.
0: What kinds of peppers grow best in the Northeast U.S.? Which ones uh, flourish best in your garden?
1: the chinenses do very well um extremely well um the, the ones and some onions like the jalapenos um, serranos do extremely well too um the ones that are difficult to grow are the uh, the capsicum pubensens, which is an andean uh cultivar is actually family that um needs cool nights this is something we don't have uh, in the Northeast. So they, they start actually flowering late. They start bearing fruit when it's too late already. You know, you get a frost like we had last week and they're done for. Uh, also, the Capsicum Bacaton of Peru. Um, there are two types that are really important the Ají Amarillo and the Ají Pancá. They also bear fruit late, particularly the Capsicum Bacaton. So it's a problem unless you have a greenhouse or you can bring them indoors. Uh, but otherwise, you know, everything else grows pretty well. The um, Tabasco, you know, grows bountiful. I adore Tabasco. I like to make um, spicy, you know, vinegars with it.
0: Did they um, originate did in it, the Tabasco area of Mexico?
1: Yes, yes it did. And, um, you know, it actually became ours, you know, <laughs> you know by by uh, historical, you know, coincidences. But um, but it grows everywhere, and I, I love it in my garden. I like Capsicum frutensens. I have a higuaual from Cuba uh, that grows extremely well. Um, the malageta, which is also a relative of the Tabasco, uh, and it's it's just gorgeous. It's a this Brazilian pepper that is amazing in in table sauces. So you know, so we do have the the climate. That will allow for you know bountiful gardens. You just have to be careful with those two that I've mentioned: the uh, the Ajie amarillo, you know, which is a capsicum bacato, and the uh, rocoto, which is the pimento late season. And uh, here, you know, in this in our part of the world, you know, we never know. We just had a frost, and uh, I saved like uh, a dozen plants because I took them indoors, you know, when I heard about the uh, temperature change. Uh, but everything else died. You know, the leaves look like like boiled spinach right now. So I'm very disappointed because last year I was harvesting cayenne uh, in December, mid-December. And by the way, cayenne are fantastic. They're gorgeous. Mm. Uh, there are several types of cayenne. They're beautiful uh, and bountiful and very useful.
0: Although most of us just use cayenne in the ground-up form. Exactly,
1: but once you get to know them um, in in their full glory, they are extremely beautiful. Um, and they the grow in December. mid December? I was wow. I was harvesting, I was harvesting cayenne, uh, cooking them Chinese style. You know, I have a beautiful recipe in the book, uh, which is called Tiger Skin um, Peppers. You know, it's stir fried and. Uh, you season uh, the peppers you know with this beautiful chinese uh, dark vinegar and soy sauce and slivers of garlic. It's just a delicious and easy recipe i I, I make that recipe a lot with uh with green green cayenne, so what? I had a bountiful crop until mid December last year
0: Amy from Manhattan, you're on the air
1: hi um, I know there were also uh peppers hot peppers in um in some kind of Asian cooking. And I was wondering, since the peppers uh, we've been talking about uh, from, uh, are from Mesoamerica, uh, did, did the ones in, in Asia um, develop independently, or were they brought over?
0: Are they all are the result but, of the Colombian exchange, as they call exactly, it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's a very good question. But I, I have I to tell you this, time.
0: Maricel, I have to tell you this. Uh, years ago, um, I was speaking to somebody uh, who... Uh, a a Thai man, and I told him that, that there were no peppers in Thailand or in China before the Columbian Exchange, and he said, that's a filthy lie. Uh, because <laughs> oh, they have become such it's become such Koreans a too. part of their culture. It's interesting how all of these peppers go to different parts of the world, to Italy or to Turkey or to uh, different parts of oh, Asia, Hunan, Sichuan, Szechu, yeah, India, and they become different peppers, totally. They, they mutate.
1: Well, it's a question of the terroir ter- ter- ah, and also human manipulation, which is, again, a part of the terroir. Ah, but the amazing thing is that in the same way that you know, Amazonian peppers sort of moved everywhere through the Americas, and the Spaniards and the Portuguese, you know, carried on this uh, work of dispersal, and, and peppers ended up everywhere. And everywhere they landed, they changed flavor completely.
0: I'm speaking with Maricel Precia and we're talking about peppers on today's. Please explain. We invite your calls at two one two four three three nine six nine two. You can write to us on our show page at wnyc dot org. What are chin, chinense peppers?
1: Chinense capsicum chinense is one of the the species uh, that I mentioned, and habanero is the best the best known uh, for Americans. Um, for us in Cuba, is the jicachucha. Uh, it's a lantern, uh, not a lantern shape. It's actually a bonnet-shaped uh, mm-hmm. pepper that is very floral, very aromatic.
0: Now, when I'm cooking with jalapenos, uh, I cut out the seeds and I cut out uh, the, uh, the, membrane, the
1: the membrane. The membrane.
0: That's where the, the real heat is.
1: Well, the, the, the heat, you know, comes from um, you know glands in the uh, placenta uh, area, and of course, because seeds are in touch. With, that, with the membranes, uh, you know, they can carry that, the heat of, you know, capsaicin. So a good way of dealing with peppers if you don't want want them to be that hot is basically, you know, um, cutting the seeds and the, the membranes.
0: Can you identify how spicy a pepper will be uh, if, just by looking at it?
1: No, not at all. Uh, in fact, um, because I grow 300 types in my garden and I have them uh, in different Parts of the garden, some parts are, are, you know, have shade, others are sunnier. You know, I notice that there is a difference. Um, you know, I uh, my peppers get hotter, you know, in full sunshine, for example. Uh, and let's say I'm in Florida right now, and um, this beautiful um, Spanish pepper called um, Pimiento del Padrón, that it's, it's using, you know, you can stir fry with it, you know, pan fry it. It's delicious and it's sweet. Uh, except for, you know, maybe you will get one hot padron in a batch. Well, if you grow it here in Florida, it would be hot, invariably. In fact, the padron peppers that I grew this year in my garden it was very hot. They mostly came hot and not sweet as uh, the ones from Galicia, you know, where the weather is, you know, milder. Um, it doesn't get that hot in the evenings. And in Palo Alto, uh, Happy happywell Farms is a... You know, it's a farm that I work with, uh, they grow, you know, what I consider the best padrons in this country, and um, they they have to get the seeds, you know, growing here in Florida. Uh, the seedlings are sent to Palo Alto, but then they grow there because of the weather, and that's why their padron peppers are so beautiful and mild.
0: It has been my experience that two peppers that come up the same plant will have different heat.
1: Absolutely, too it happens so it's you know this whole thing about um talking about uh a, a cultivar as being you know the hottest pepper it's it's nonsense really uh, because uh capsaicin production uh varies according to all kinds of um uh conditions you know weather conditions you know the, the it's well, heat or humidity altitude for example uh, peppers grown at higher altitudes. The same Bhutan um, tend to be hotter there than in other places.
0: The way many plants propagate is by having animals eat them and then spreading their seeds. But do any animals eat hot peppers? Wouldn't that be a deterrent? Well, my
1: dogs don't,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and squirrels don't. Definitely no. Um, for the most part, rodents, mammals, um, you know, have capsaicin receptors, so they they do not like. Um, high levels of capsaicin, but birds do not have capsaicin receptors, so they are the perfect vector of dispersal. Uh, they eat the seeds, they fly away from the plant, they move someplace else, they excrete the seeds. In fact, you know, um, their digestive uh, system endows uh, the seeds with a certain protection, um, and uh, that's how peppers move around before
0: farmers realized that they were delicious and, and edible. My guest is Maricel E. Priscia, who's a restaurateur, James Beard Award winner. Her book, Peppers of the Americas, and we're taking your calls at 212-433-9692. Carter from East Orange, New Jersey, you're on the air. Hey, thanks a lot for this show. I'm a pepper lover, too, and I'm definitely going to get that that book. But my question is about hot sauce. I grow a lot of my own peppers, like uh, cayenne, Scotch bonnet, habanero, ghost, Carolina Reaper, jalapeno, etc. And uh, been making hot sauce for some years. And I started out uh, cooking the peppers first, and then uh, about maybe two years ago, I, I stopped that. And I just would, um, I just cut off the tops, the stems, basically, and put them in uh, a blender, the Cuisinart, with like vinegar. They use some lime and sugar, and I've, I actually like that better. But I was wondering what your opinion is on cooking versus not cooking uh, the hot sauce.
1: Well, I, I make uh, a variety of hot sauces. Uh, sometimes I do, like you say, I cook the peppers, um, and sometimes I do, um, I put them in the blender again with the same things that you use. Um, but I find that those kinds of sauces – uh, don't last that long. So what I really like to do is ferment. You know, I, I love sriracha, and in fact, I have a recipe in the book that I call miracha because it's my, my take on it. That is fantastic. And I apply that to a number of peppers. For example, I like these um, Korean uh, peppers. Um, they're called um, finger peppers, and you find them in Asian markets, and they're beautiful. They have this glorious crimson color and they have this incredible fruitiness and that's my favorite pepper to make uh, my type of sriracha um, so I ferment them for five to six days and basically you put the pepper seeds and all uh, you cut them, uh, chop them uh, coarsely, put them in the uh, uh, food processor with some garlic uh, some sugar and, and salt It's important, the ratio of salt to, to, you know the peppers is important for preservation and then I just ferment them for five to six days, and then I, you know, the, you will get lactic fermentation, get this beautiful acidity developing. You might want to add some uh, more vinegar to that. Um, in some cases, I don't need to, uh, but if I use a vinegar, I don't use anything harsh. Um, I like to use chardonnay wine vinegar, or sometimes the uh, rice vinegar, Japanese rice vinegar, which is very mellow and delicious, uh, and that's the end of the sauce. You might want to cook that for let's say ten minutes, um, and that sauce will keep for a year or so.
0: Now we can get. So that's s-
1: my favorite way of making a
0: hot sauce. We can get peppers in any in a number of different ways: fresh, uh, dried peppers, uh, and then some like chipotles that are smoked. Can any pepper be dried out? What effect would that have on its heat?
1: Well, I am, you know my uh, dehydrator right now is uh, full speed because I have to, you know, harvest everything that I had in a a hurry because of this, you know, deep in temperature. So I I dry um, a lot of my peppers. Uh, It doesn't matter how small they are. It just depends on the time that you give the peppers to dry. I don't like them uh, bone dry. I, you know, ferment them. I, you know, I turn them, when I dry them, I turn them into powders and uh, condiments with other spices. So, yes, you can actually, you know, dehydrate every pepper.
0: And can you smoke them all? Nice. Or let,
1: me, let me say something here. When the pepper is very fleshy, uh, you cannot dry them. You should not dry them whole. You should, you know, split them um, in half and, and maybe take the seeds out. And, and some of the membranes, you don't want something very hot uh, because it takes longer, you know, to dry um, a very fleshy um, chinense, for example. But actually, everything can be dried.
0: And what about smoked? Because our Chipotle is a also, unique situation.
1: So, obviously, you know, when it's very tiny, you know, it's hard to do. But let me put you, let me give you an example from Guatemala. Uh, one of my favorite Guatemalan um, uh, peppers is, is the coban or ululte uh, chile. And normally, families, you know, in the countryside would put the, the ululte in a basket and just hang that over, you know, a fire where they would dry. And they're very tiny. So, yes, you can actually, you know, dry and smoke Marisa, you know, we're, we're
0: almost out of time, and Thanksgiving is next week. Do you have any pepper recipes that pair well with traditional Thanksgiving foods, with turkey, oh with God, mashed potatoes, with cranberry <laughs> sauce?
1: <laughs> well, I have to say that, you know, my mole recipe is just so fantastic. I have a turkey mole recipe in the book that is to die for. It's a mole coloradito. Uh, you know, it's the, a the complete recipe. I just did it at the Smithsonian, and, and you know, everyone there was eating it and, and loving it. So that's a great recipe. But actually, components, um, you know, like maybe you can do a mole sauce and use it as gravy. You don't need to do the, the whole thing with the turkey barks, uh and boil the turkey, you know, in broth. But you can actually, you know, just bring to the table a beautiful, um, beautiful mole sauce and use it you know, to pour over the the roast turkey. That's delicious.
0: Well, most people uh, in this country think mole simply means a a chocolate sauce, but mole is, uh, I think, the uh, Aztec word for mixture, and uh, Um, there are are so many different moles in the world, red, black, yellow, you name it,
1: Absolutely, there there are many moles. Some do not call for chocolate, but these moles, for the most part, call for a little bit of chocolate. And it's not a chocolate sauce. Um, the chocolate adds backbone, of a bit of bitterness, and at the same time some sweetness. Uh, it completes uh, the mole. As actually, a fruity note, which most moles have. Um, so I would say, you know, for Thanksgiving, um, you know, make a mole. There is a very also a very simple recipe as a side. You know, pepper steaks, um, there is a Dutch pepper now in the market, it's called stripy, uh, and, uh, stripy pepper. Uh, it has this beautiful stripes, orange and, uh, and yellow, so I make steaks with it. And uh, I serve it with a chimichurri sauce, uh, and it's incredible. So that would be a great side, for example, uh, to have for Thanksgiving.
0: Maricel Precia is a historian, a cultural anthropologist, a James Beard Award-winning chef, the owner of two restaurants in Hoboken, Mama and Zafra. And uh, I suspect you use a lot of chilies in your food there. I certainly do. By
1: the kilo. (laughs) Her latest
0: book is called Peppers of the Americas. It's published by 10 Speed Press. And uh, we thank you so much. Come back home. Uh, you know, it's, uh, come and enjoy the cold. You shouldn't be well, in Miami I, right I, now. I,
1: I look forward to come back. Uh, I'm in Miami right now for the, uh, preparing for the Miami uh, Book Fair. Uh, but actually wondering what's happening to my surviving peppers.
0: <laughs> thank you again. I hope that they've survived.